Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, and it's an odd one, obviously, odd times. Um, today was going to be another isolation drunk cast, and we recorded a great one with R- R- Rich Wilson and Jade, Jade Adams, um, at the weekend. And whilst we do discuss everything that's been going on, and I think it's a really strong conversation, it still felt too soon to drop that. So I'm going to drop that at the weekend, um, probably on Friday. But I decided that today I wanted to shine a light on two previous um, episodes, because they're from the real early days that a lot of people might have missed, and they feel so relevant now. So the first up, the one you're listening to now, is from... December 31st, 2014. It's what I closed the year with in 2014. And it's with Killer Mike, who is an amazing speaker. And many of you will have seen him speak recently. In fact, before we go into the episode, we're going to have his recent speech, which was really powerful. Yeah, that's about it. There's not much more I can I can say and, and, and tell you there. But the the next one, that also will be out today at midday is with Akala, and he's it's another one where he gave such a he gave me me such an education in uh, in history. So yeah, that's where we're at. That's the two that we that we're dropping today. I hope you enjoy them. Um, and also, you may hear adverts on this podcast, but we will be making a donation higher than the amount we earn from these adverts to um, the causes that need the money right now. Uh, The one it looks like we're going to be supporting is the Minnesota bail. Um, Originally it was going to be the Minnesota bail um, fund, but they've asked people, they've paused essentially donations because they're a small, a small charity that suddenly had the world's focus on them. So if we can't donate to them, it will be someone similar to help this situation. Um, Yeah. So Apologies if the adverts feel inappropriate, but it's going to be a good cause uh, that, that that benefits from them and more. Um, yeah, as said, we're going to now have the speech that Killer Mike gave on TV a few days ago, and then the podcast from 2014 with rapper, activist, and just, yeah, legend, Killer Mike. Have a listen. I didn't want to come. And I don't want to be here. I'm the son of an Atlanta City police officer. Uh, <clears throat> my cousin is an Atlanta City police officer. And my other cousin, East Point police officer. And I got a lot of love and respect for police officers, down to the original eight police officers in Atlanta, that even after becoming police, had to dress in a YMCA because white officers didn't want to get dressed with niggers. And here we are 80 years later. I watched a white officer assassinate a black man. And I know that tore your heart out. And I know it's crippling. And I have nothing positive to say in this moment because I don't want to be here. But I'm responsible to be here because it wasn't just Dr. King and people dressed nicely who marched and protested to progress this city and so many other cities. It was people like my grandmother, people like my aunts and uncles who were members of SCLC and NAACP, and in particular, Reverend James Orange, Mrs. Alice Johnson, and Reverend Love, who we just lost last year. So I'm duty-bound to be here to simply say, that it is your duty not to burn your own house down for anger with an enemy. It is your duty to fortify your own house so that you may be a house of refuge in times of organization. And now is the time to plot, plan, strategize, organize, and mobilize. It is time to beat up prosecutors you don't like at the voting booth. It is time to hold mayoral offices accountable, chiefs and deputy chiefs. Atlanta is not perfect, but we're a lot better than we ever were, and we're a lot better than cities are. I'm mad 
as hell. I woke up wanting to see the world burn down yesterday because I'm tired of seeing black men die. He casually put his knee on a human being's neck for nine minutes as he died like a zebra in the clutch of a lion's jaw. And we watch it like murder porn over and over again. So that's why children are burning to the ground. They don't know what else to do. And it is the responsibility of us to make this better right now. We don't want to see one officer charged. We want to see four officers prosecuted and sentenced. We don't want to see targets burning. We want to see the system that sets up for systemic racism burnt to the ground. And as I sit here in Georgia, Homer Stevens, Georgia, former vice president of the Confederacy, white man said that law, fundamental law stated that whites were naturally the superior race and the Confederacy was built on a cornerstone. It's called a cornerstone speech. Look it up. The cornerstone speech that blacks would always be subordinate. That officer believed that speech because he killed that man like an animal. In this city, officers have done horrendous things and they have been prosecuted. This city's cut different. In this city, you can find over 50 restaurants owned by black women. I didn't say minority and I didn't say women of color. So after you burn down your own home, what do you have left but char and ash? CNN, Ted did a great thing. I love CNN, I love Cartoon Network, but I'd like to say to CNN right now, karma's a mother. Stop feeding fear and anger every day. Stop making people feel so fearful, give them hope. I'm glad they only took down a sign and defaced a building and they're not killing human beings like that policeman did. I'm glad that they only destroyed some brick and mortar and they didn't rip a father from a son. They didn't rip a, fa a son from a mother like the policeman did. When a man yells for his mother in duress and pain and she's dead, he is essentially yelling, please, God, don't let it happen to me. And we watch that. So my question for us on the other side of this camera is after it burns, will we be left with charred or will we rise like a phoenix out of the ashes that Atlanta has always done? Will we use this as a moment to say that we will not do what other cities have done and in fact we will get better than we've been? We got good enough to destroy cash bonds. You don't have to worry about going to jail for some petty. We got smart enough to decriminalize marijuana. How smart are we going to be in the next 15 or 20 years to keep us ahead of this curve? So that much like when South Africa suffered apartheid, you had Andy and other politicians that could make sure that Atlanta said, Coca-Cola, we love you. But if you don't pull out of South Africa, we're going to leave. We're not going to drink Coca-Cola anymore. Coca-Cola jumped on their side and apartheid ended. So we have an opportunity now because I'm mad. I don't have any good advice. But what I can tell you is that if you sit in your homes tonight, instead of burning your home to the ground, you will have time to properly plot, plan, strategize, and organize and mobilize in an effective way. And two of the most effective ways is first taking your butt to the computer and making sure you fill out your census so that people know who you are and where you are. The next thing is making sure you exercise your political bully power and going to local elections and beating up the politicians that you don't like. You got a prosecutor sent your partner to jail and you know it was bullshit. Put a new prosecutor in there. Now's your election to do it. You want a different senator that's more progressive that brought marijuana through? Now is the time to do that. But it is not time to burn down your own home. I love and I respect you. I hate I don't have more to say. I hate I can't fix it in a snap. I hate Atlanta's not perfect for as good as we are. But we have to be better than this moment. We have to be better than burning down our own homes. Because if we lose Atlanta, what else we got? We lose an ability to plot, to plan, to strategize, to organize, and to properly mobilize. I want you to go home. I want you to talk to 10 of your friends. I want you guys to come up with real solutions. I would like for the Atlanta City Police Department to bring back the Community Review Board, one that Alice Johnson was formerly under, under Chief Turner. We need to get ahead of it. That's my recommendation to my mayor and my chief. Let's get a review board. Let's get ahead of it. And let's give them power. 
We don't need an officer that makes a mistake once, twice, three times, and finally he kills a boy on national TV, and the next thing you know, the country is burning down. We don't need a dumbass president repeating what segregationists said. When you start looting, we start shooting. But the problem is some officers black and some people are going to shoot back. And that's not good for our community either. I love and respect you all. I hope that we find a way out of it because I don't have the answers. But I do know we must plot, we must plan, we must strategize, organize, and mobilize. Thank you for allowing me some time to speak. I'd like to appreciate our chief for what she said on YouTube. I thought it was very bold to do. I'd like to appreciate our mayor for talking to us like a black mama and telling us to take our ass at home. And I'd like to talk, like to thank my friend for convincing me to come here. And I'll defer to Joe Beasley now because he knows a hell of a lot more than we do. Thank y'all. <laughs> headphones too or what i've only got one pair no i got cool. a pair of beats that's why i'm asking uh, no 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 no, no okay, you're good. good i'll keep an eye on the levels and that okay no problem we're good so we're rolling i'm 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 here with with killer mike and i am rolling literally you've, rolling you've, you've kindly invited me into your hotel to get this this interview done yeah no bill cosby yeah <laughs> <laughs> damn that's some dark shit going on already here. god bless you man god bless all cars man but, um yeah you've just i mean we should start off with what's just happened you've just Tour Come off stage London. basically at Coco, and it's been that was crazy. That's one of the the, the hypest crowds I've seen. Thank you man. on a London show. That's it's, a real compliment, man. It's I'd amazing. I be wanting our shows to look like after a football game. Like, yeah, motherfuckers just wilding. That's my goal. Yeah, but to take care of each other, not burn the big city down. But. I mean, that's what was cool. There was that kind of community feel as well. There was the rowdiness, but it seemed like everyone was yeah, on fam. the same page. It's fam. Like I want kids to come out and rage and get that energy out, just because, man, you got to. It's not a lot yeah. of places left in the world where you can just get it off like that. But at yeah. the same time, we want to make sure everybody goes home safe. You know what I mean? So It's important, man. It's important. People absolutely. struggle to admit and acknowledge that there's stuff to be angry about. Hell yeah. So people is. need, you know, it's important to, to get, to get out. that out and to use that anger. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Where you can. Um, but uh, uh, how do you find, or how are you finding it all at the moment? What, it's been a crazy year for Run the Jewels. And it's only been seven weeks in terms of the album. The album Run, RTJ2 has only, it's only been out seven weeks. Like, yeah. You know, we just have not stopped the momentum from RTJ1. Yeah. You it's know, just we, been a constant flow. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I wish, I don't know how it's changed. I can say the crowds are bigger. I can say the energy is more intense. Yeah. We don't have to tell you to put the pistol and fist up anymore, but. Yeah. Like, I, we haven't sat still to see. You know yeah. what I mean? If yeah. that makes any Completely. sense. Completely. You'll get... Um, and you're not going to... I was, I was going to say, uh, when you get some time to rest, you'll get to take that in. But you're not taking much time to rest. Nah, so we're going home for three get to or four back days. back at some point. Yeah, we go home for three or four days and we go to Australia. And then we leave Australia after the middle of January. And we yeah. come home and get back to work, mess around, tinker Damn. around, see what's up. The whole... I mean, you touched on the whole... The uh, throwing up the pistol and the, and, and the fist that... How how enjoyable has that been kind of happening? The fact that you've kind of, it seems almost unintentional. You've stumbled upon a great bit of marketing and, 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 yeah, and, and, yeah, and promotion we, we, there. It's kind yeah, of. Yeah, we didn't sit down and just be like, you know what we're going to do? This is going to be dope. Like, yeah. you know, we just, we, you know, um, L had an ill name and run the jewels. We went with it. He, um, the pistol and fist was something that is just dope. Nick Gazin is the artist who, um, yeah. art editor over at Vice. He, um, he sent it over the illustration. We fell in love with it. And from the first one, that's just zombie hands. When we did the European release, it was skeletons of yeah. the zombie hands. Yeah. And then it evolved into the mummified zombie hands. So, you know, that's it. You know, you, you can't, your, your work makes a symbol powerful. So the connection between us and the audience has made this symbol very powerful. It's, com- it's completely true. I always hate the discussion of, 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 of what's a good, good band name. A good band name is attached to a good band. If you're, exactly. a, good band, then you're, if, <laughs> exactly. if you're a good band, then your band name is a good, good exactly. name. You know, that exactly. kind of happens naturally. So I think it's that combination of the artwork just f- f- fitted and, and, and the album kind of followed it up. But, I, I mean, how have you seen the difference? Obviously, the first time I, I, I think is was your first stuff was on Outcast, on Stanconia, on, yeah. on the whole world and, yeah. and stuff like that. And then you've been... You know, you've been doing it a long time and, and building your experience. But Absolutely. F- f- 
for me, I don't know if it's only over here, but it felt that hooking up with LP on on rap music seemed to pull a certain amount together, and then Run the Jewels just seemed to 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 follow that beautiful crisp jab up with a quick combination, basically. Yeah, it's like um, you know, L and I were introduced to one another through Jason DeMarco, and we we did rap music, and and it was you know it was a classic album, perfect yeah. album. And he featured on rap music. I featured on Cancer for Cure. Then we hooked up and we did Run the Jewels 1 as an homage to the modern rap group or the classic rap group in modern times. We wanted to replicate most strongly what I felt like EPMD had, like a real partnership, a real dope sound. And um, it worked like... Our idea worked as the homage, but halfway through the tour, we noticed that we were playing, we were opening for ourselves. I'd do 30 minutes, Ella do 30 minutes, and then we do 30 minutes and run the jewels. And we just noticed, you know, the Killer Mike fans were coming, give it up, give it up for L2. LP fans would come, give it up for Killer Mike too. And then there was these other kids that were just other kids. Yeah. And they were like, oh, okay, yeah, the other stuff is cool. They jammed. It was like, okay, yeah. But when the run the jewels shit came on, man, they went. Bananas. I mean, that's what's been great to see from uh, kind of a fan perspective is realizing that there's certain people who don't particularly know LP and Killer Mike. They nah. know who run the drums. <laughs> exactly. You know? and that's, it, obviously, it's dope to have all of that collection, yeah. but it's great that there's that that yeah. outside element that are just yeah. yeah. Like my daughter's 17 years old, man, and there are kids in her school that know Run the Jewels. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what they know. You know, yeah. they know her dad's killing Mike. That feels good, right? Yeah, exactly. That feels you know good, right? <laughs> Hell yeah, because you're pulling up to high school. You're thirty something year old dad. You don't expect yeah. a seventeen year old kid to be throwing up the pistol and fist at you. But that's <laughs> right. what's that's what's happening. I've seen babies on Instagram throwing right. up the pistol and fist. This Man. is this is toddlers I, all I, ages. I said, so I'm just going to do an RTJ day where everything, like every thirty minutes, I'm just going to tweet a different picture because yeah. I got so many. I'll never get to <laughs> yeah, do it if yeah, I just do yeah. one a day. But yeah. now I've seen babies, poodles, like. No bullshit. <laughs> I have a picture of a woman and her poodle throwing up RTJ. That's, that's it, the shit right there. Yeah, man. And it, it, you know, for me, I grew up a rabid Wu Tang fan. Yeah. Because Wu Tang fan, Wu Tang, you know, as a as a band was a dope band. It was a dope individuals. They had a dope concept. I felt like I was a part of something. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I yeah. never. Every artist wants it, but I never knew that I have. A family and a fan like this. I never knew I'd have this type of exchange because the closest thing I've seen to it is Wu Tang. You know, yeah. and it's um, it's it's an honor to be on that stage when those pistol and fists go in the air. Yeah. It's an honor to perform and give up an hour and some odd minutes for y'all. It's an honor, and Ellen and I really appreciate it. You know? I mean, it's it's great. I mean, that shows afterwards. Um, I mean, uh, it's weird because it's f- for me, it's kind of become the norm in the rappers I see and associate with, but. It still should be praised that you're there after the show. You're meeting the fans. You're having photos. You're you're hugging it up and kind of taking all that in. And that's I don't know. It shows that you're you you know you do appreciate that. You're aware that it's blowing up, but it's it's blowing up because of these kids too. And I appreciate these kids. Like you know, a lot of bands blow up. Groups, bands, you know, individuals blow up, and their fans resent it because they get further away from them. Yeah, 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 yeah. the fans feel like their thing is being taken away. Well, we're running the jewels. It, it hasn't been like that. Our yeah. fans have, like, I just read a, a crazy tweet. The fan was like, um, I just, I don't want to get it wrong. It was crazy. I just pulled it up, too. The, the fan was literally like, usually I'd be mad that, you know, my group is blowing up. But, like, I'm really sincerely happy for Elle and Mike. You know what I'm saying? They deserve yeah. everything they get. And that's a, that's a real sentiment. That doesn't have anything to do with, hey, I just like this band. That has everything to do yeah. with, like, I really care that these two human beings who worked hard to do dope music are getting the opportunity to be congratulated and, and lauded for the for what they've done. And that's a, that's a hell of a sentiment. And I'm thankful you know, for all of our fans for that. Yeah, and I think that's that's got to be down to the fact that you've both... It's a cliche, but you've, you've paid dues. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you've, you've both been doing this long enough that it's kind of... You can't get mad when it's going this well. It's it's, it's a beautiful thing to see. It's a blessing, man. Like, if someone would have told me this is the way my book was going to be written, yeah. you know, I don't know if I'd have believed it. Yeah. You know, if someone had told me... Like, I remember a friend telling me, he said, man, you know, you're not even a, a real band, like a real artist to you. 10 years in, you know, 10 years of pain and suffering and fighting and trying to be understood and recognized. 
It's crazy when that point comes, right? Exactly. It sneaks up on you. Exactly, because you're not expecting it. Because by then, you're just like, I do good work, and I'm going to keep doing good work. And if it doesn't get recognized the way I think it should be, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do good work. And then it starts to get recognized. And then you're like, oh, shit, I might can't go to the store. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? I might need to figure out going to the store at an earlier time yeah. because if I go right now, I'm probably going to have to be in there four hours, yeah. you know? Yeah. So. I, th- I think it's crazy as well because I think when you've been doing it for 10 years or whatever, it's a weird thing that when something blows up, you suddenly also realize that you've got a back catalogue. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that these kids that are getting run the jewels, there's, there's, there's four or five albums for them to go, and numerous collaborations man, for them kid, to go back over. Man, man, a kid hugged me tonight, man, and he just said, Mike, man, he said, Cain and Abel off Sunday Morning Massacres, thank you for dropping that. Sunday Morning Massacres was a series of freestyles I did in 2008. Crazy. DJ Greg Street just yeah. compiled and put out this year. They were supposed to come out in 2008, but yeah. for whatever reason, I just didn't didn't put them out. But like that kid is is jamming it like it's a brand new tape. Yeah. Like he is rapping the lyrics. I don't even know the lyrics. I was going to say, that's, I was say <laughs> the crazy shit is when the, there's the lyrics that you don't like. If they called that song out during a, a show and said, "Can you do this?" You I wouldn't be able like, to. Nah, like, but, I don't know how that goes. But he, it was crazy. Tell the, me how it goes. Exactly. I'm on exactly. It. I get that first rap, line. Be like, I know those words. Why do I? It's like, oh, that's my record. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, though. Um, so you mentioned having kids. Like, yeah, how do you find that? How do you find that balancing it with with it suddenly blowing up? Because again, another thing that's nice to see is some people will blow up and they'll kind of sit at home and think, "Cool, it's blowing up." But, yeah. but you guys are hitting the road and you're hitting yeah. it hard to cement this and to say, "Look, this is blowing up, but this Absolutely. is going to continue. This isn't just Absolutely. a briefing." So how do you how do you balance that with? Well, my with children, their dad has for the most part been a rapper. Like that's what yeah. their dad has done, and um, you know, so this is what I do, and and they get it. So when I'm at home, my time with, with them is with them. You know what I mean? I, I don't find many distractions when I'm at home besides running the business and being a regular dad. Yeah. But, you know, my dad, I mean, my kids understand that my dad's a rapper and they, and they get it because I'm not a rapper at home. I'm yeah. just their dad. You know, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. at home, you know, flossing and bossing. Like I'm just at home as their dad. I'm taking out the trash. Yeah. I'm helping their, their stepmom wash the dishes. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. doing just regular dad stuff. And that, that sense of normalcy allows them to be able to look at their dad on stage and stuff is, you know, oh, okay, yeah, this dad's job, but dad is still dad. So for me, you know, having kids is the most rewarding thing because it gives me something to be proud of besides myself. Yeah. Have they been have been to many of your shows? Yeah. Yeah. And not, how's, that? Not, how's that? Are you feeling, do you feel different as you're going on and knowing you? Well, yeah, I temper the language a little, but then again, kids in my family can curse as long as they use it in proper context. You That's know, my grandparents started that. Yeah. But, but the kid, I'm, I'm proud at the shows because my kids get to see that dad's away, but he's away working and he, he, and this is what dad does. You know, they get yeah. a chance to see it. I bring them out on stage when I bring them out. You know, I got a chance. My oldest son is really in a skateboard and I got a chance to do Tampa skate park. Shouts out to Brian and the guys down there. I got a chance for him to come down and he just hung out and skated with his favorite skaters from across the world. Like yeah. that's an opportunity. A lot of working class dads wish they could yeah. give them sons. And I just think basically still just like a working class dad. So for my job to have these perks, like they sent some cool clothes and winter jackets and stuff to us tonight and I just told them to send it to my kids size so now my yeah. kids get some cool stuff so it, I, I like the fact that my job benefits them benefit and they them like the fact way. that they get to travel on occasion and they get to see cool things that makes you know it matters to me you know yeah so so when you're home, um, I mean, we touched at all uh, briefly before this started about your barbershop. Yeah. I, I, I didn't even, I wasn't completely aware of that. Explain yeah. it a little. What's the... It's called uh, a swag shop. There? It's um, shave, wash, and groom. It's um, almost three years old. And I always wanted to own a barbershop um, for many different reasons. A barbershop was a center of the community in the black community in Atlanta. And the black community, period. But... In a men's community, a barbershop is a very sacred place because working class men couldn't always golf. So the closest thing you had to a golf club was the barbershop. Yeah. You got to go, have a drink, talk some trash, see what was going on in the neighborhood. But it really was a place where the community met and, you know, things got discussed. It really is a place where jobs are given. You know, I employ nine people. Yeah. You know, like, you know, 
you think about oh, it's a guy he raps, he smokes weed, he gets drunk, he's running around state. Like, yeah, but I employ nine people. I'm responsible for nine people's life. I can't, you know, I can't be a wild out guy all the time. So a barbershop is to me, it's a a a first line of offense and defense to get stuff in the community and to keep boy BS out of the community. Like in my shop, there are no drugs sold in or out of my shop. There's no smoking in front of my shop. It's an environment in which men, women, and children feel safe and comfortable. You know what I mean? Kids get a haircut. They get a free Hot Wheels or Matchbox car. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just to kind of inspire them that this little toy you have, you can really work hard and you can get this car for real one day, you know? Yeah. So for me having a barbershop, I, I wanted to stay anchored to the community in a different way that a lot of rappers don't. A lot of rappers, a lot of people, period, and they start getting money, start to separate from the community. And I didn't want that. There was a barbershop that inspired me called Rudy's. And um, they were out of the Pacific Northwest. They were up out of Seattle. And they started right around the grunge time of grunge. And Rudy's ended up being a franchise, some really dope artistic barbershops. And I just got off on the concept of marrying my influences. I love cars and art. I love photography. I love street art. Um, and my barbershop, all of that represents it. If you're on IG, just go to swag shop underscore ATL and look at, you've never seen a barbershop that looks like yeah. this, you know? We got two female barbers. We got barbers from around the country. So I just wanted a cool environment that the community could come to. And we're going to have 150 of them ultimately. We're going to have three in every market um, in the United States, the top 50 urban markets. And I plan on coming to London, plan on getting to Australia, plan on getting it. everywhere we can because I just I like men's barbershops. I like a place where men can go and be guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's one of the last vestiges for masculinity. So it's great that it's 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 it's, it's using that as 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 you said, as as a positive influence on the community and being an actual yeah, having a place that isn't there isn't a community centre. Isn't isn't some kind of thing that people aren't going to want to go to because exactly. it's some government or some you know exactly. some exactly. sports centre that is you know is forcing you know a real place that you can just go and exactly just go chill. Like man, I keep. You know, when magazines like, Mike, we want to send you magazines. Nah, I don't send them to my house, send them to my barbershop. Yeah. You know, I want to send you some beer. Nah, don't send me no beer. I don't need any beer. Send it to the barbershop. It gives me an opportunity to share with the community what happens here, too. Like, yeah. I pick up stuff on the road. I take it to the shop. I post it in the shop. I put it in the shop. The art that people give me on the road, yeah. I put in the shop. I just want to inspire people to do for self. You know, I represent... You know, people say, oh, man, you know, President Obama got unemployment down to 8% in, in the United States. But black men's unemployment is not 8%. Mm-hmm. Black men's unemployment hovers around 12 to 14%. Yeah. You know, that's a very high percentage, you yeah. know. And these are also the people who are virtually tacked by the by the war on drugs. So, you know, what, what trade or skill can these young men go? My little nephews who are graduating high school who may not want to go to college. My own son. My own son. I, I wasn't satisfied with how hard he worked and didn't work at points in high school. So I didn't send him to a four-year university out of my pocket. I sent him to a two-year university to get an associate's degree and to get a trade in barbering. He'll come and work in a the barbershop. Then when he goes to a four-year university to figure out what he really wants to do, he'll have a trade to feed himself. You know, yeah, yeah. I want to be an employer. You know, I want to be able to provide jobs and compensation for people. So, you know, for me, that's another thing too. Like I, if the, the entertainment class in my country can create a whole other stream of revenue. And I think we have a responsibility to do that in our communities. If your rapper or, or musician is only giving you a shout out, they're not doing enough for your community. Yeah. You no, know, uh, that, you know, if you say, Oh man, he has a $50,000 chain, you know, that's cool. You could own a couple of barbershops with that. You can own yeah. a restaurant with that. You can, you can supply, you know, revenue and, and, and provide an economy and an economic ecosystem to your community. So that's what I feel compelled to do. And that's what I'm going to do. You um, know? I mean, that's, that's a really interesting point of how, I mean, particularly we'll obviously get onto this, but with everything that's going on in America at the moment, particularly in the black community, um, it, it's easy for people to, tweet about this to get involved to be to be political or social all of a, a, a sudden yeah. but i think you're right that that's not that's not enough that's and or, or even even to the extent it's easy to go on a march yeah. it's easy to go on a march and that's cool it's important that people are marching exactly and are getting on board but that's just that's part not going to solve it exactly it's, that's just part of the work see the 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 march is the march is a ceremony yeah the protests are a ceremony you know when you get married that you, you want your wife 
in white. You want her walking down slowly. You want it to be a spectacle. It's a ceremony, and yeah. it's a it's a it's a time honored and needed, and it's an honorable ceremony. But the real work happens pre and post that the real work happens with you know a lot of the civil rights movement was paid for and underwritten by black millionaires who had made their way in business you know you look at Herman Russell God bless the dead he just died about a week ago he was an 83 year old um, real estate developer and and builder in Atlanta he had probably the largest black um, um, development firm and I know in the southeast and possibly in the nation he was very quiet man he wasn't on the front lines marching you know but you'll see pictures of him with those leaders because he was the one underwriting you know buses to get people places he was the person that that I live in a neighborhood. I grew up in a neighborhood called the Collier Heights in Adamsville. And the Collier Heights was the first one of the first communities and one of the largest, most prominent communities built by black people for black people after World War Two. Yeah. Well, he got a contract to do Fulton County Stadium, which was a brave stadium where they played in the Falcons. And because he that contract enriched him, he built right in that community. Yeah. So I grew up four streets behind him because he and other rich black people like Dr. King's father lived in that community. Um, Ralph David Abernathy lived in that community because they were there. My school system was better yeah. because I lived in a real mixed community. We lived on the front on the working class area. So because of him, I went to better schools. I was educated better. So I've been a good fortune of this. So I understand the importance of business people. Mm-hmm. I understand the importance of good people that do great business, that have morals and ethics. You know yeah. what I mean? All business people aren't evil and bad. So it's needed in my community. We need we need less people talking about what I bought that depreciates and more people investing in things that appreciate that appreciate your community. Yeah. Jamal Mashburn is a is an idol of mine, not because he played basketball well, but because the man owns 83 restaurants, you know, TGI Fridays, things like that, I believe. But he employs hundreds of people. Magic Johnson brought industry to Atlanta, came yeah. to Atlanta, opened Starbucks, opened movie theaters. You know, he gave people jobs. And I think that that's what we should be doing. And you get that profit and you enjoy. My wife drives a BMW. Yeah. You know, she she has a she she buys, you know, she, uh, she's getting a Louis Vuitton for Christmas, and that's cool. And with that said, I help nine other families be real families. You yeah. know what I mean? So, so do you think that's something that's dropped out in, in recent years? Because it feels um the kind of the urge and or natural urge and reaction to give back to the community w- w- when you got successful. Um was a huge thing in the 70s, 80s and mm-hmm. 90s when when basketball was becoming the biggest sport in the world yeah. and a lot of young black Americans were getting to suddenly make a lot of money. Yeah. Just, why do you think that's... Do you think it's to do with hip-hop and, and how rap is that it kind of... Well, a lot well, of people are making money to make money and to have yeah. money rather than to... Well, and that's fine. You and, but, you know, I think people take give back as charity. I'm not talking about charity. I'm talking about industry. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm talking about creating yeah. an industry. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, completely. You know, uh, a friend of mine has a clothing company. And, you know, I won't name his company because I don't know if he won't this known. But he has a clothing company, very big clothing company. And with that said, he also has a printing company. Mm. So he could print your clothing line. Yeah, yeah. You know, having a clothing company is as easy as outsourcing um, people in Asia. You're coming up, paying a designer, shipping your stuff back to America. I have a company. But that's different from I bought an old printing company, yeah. kept the people employed there employed. Yeah. And now not only do I have a clothing company that is making me money, I'm also having something that's made in the USA and giving U.S. citizens yeah. jobs. Yeah. So when I'm talking to you, and I'm not, it's nothing against charity, but... I'm talking about creating an industry, creating, yeah. creating industry. And that's what and I see. The, as having the, the, that motivation to do so, Absolutely. that motivation to, to, to create industry rather than, yeah, just yeah. more of the straightforward. Yeah. Ash- it's, ash- yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's, um, you know, it's impressive to buy nice stuff, but it's more impressive to provide other people with the opportunities to, to earn yeah. and buy nice stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, definitely. Um, well, I mean, obviously we're talking about, community and 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 skirting around a a lot of things but one of the things i wanted to talk to and i've been doing a few tweets and and facebook things recently and i feel that with everything that's been going on in ferguson with 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 eric garner with i feel that it's jumped out to me as an observer from across the pond that you that your voice feels like a very important one at the moment and the reason for that is if i feel particularly 
I guess partly because of the Run the Jewels stuff, maybe, but it feels like you've got the ear of the black community and the white community. And I feel that the problems going on at the moment need attention from from both sides. It's Absolutely. not something that just Absolutely. the black community can heal. It's yeah. not something that just the white community yeah, can it's heal. A hum- so- it's a human problem. Yeah. You know, the, hum- the human problem is that as humans, we have allowed ourselves to get comfortable in um, boxes that we were put into. We've allowed ourselves to be cordon off like animals. We've allowed ourselves to be to be separated by sex, by religion, by race, by creed, by color. When at the end of the day, we're only human beings. Like you're yeah. white with long hair and a narrow nose because at some point humans migrated out of Africa and came to a colder climate. So their nose needed to be narrow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, their yeah, yeah. hair needed to be longer to keep their, keep their face warm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And recessive genes, recessive genes reduce the pigmentation. That's pretty much the only difference. We're still both human beings. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. We, civilization both started the continent of Africa so we are as as much the same as we are with small little differences and with that said no human being should live under the tyranny of government if promised freedom yeah you know and America prides itself on the story we're told from the time we're five years old up that we broke free from the tyranny of taxation and um, um and, and 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 monarchy yeah. you know we broke free from that yeah. you know we, there was a little riot called the Boston Tea Party that we celebrate yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. and my thing is if 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 promise that and my people black people in America only 51 years into that promise because we had to fight we 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 won ourselves out of slavery got our full rights after the antebellum period all of that was wiped away. Then we went back into a series of Jim Crow. Then we had to fight for our civil rights again, which not only won our civil rights, won the civil rights for more people than us. Yeah. Got those civil rights. And now for the last 51 years, we've still just kind of been B-level citizens. And I'm tired of being a B-level citizen. I was promised everything the United States preamble, Bill of Rights and Constitution gave me, and that's what I want. Yeah. And I don't want that just for me. I want it for my neighbor who may not agree with my lifestyle. I want it for the guys who don't agree with me, period. Because we deserve that based on this is what this country um, promise us, and even if a country had not promised that, I am a human being, and I have an inalienable rights that were given to me that are God given to live as long as I want to live, to live peacefully and not hurt others, to procreate, to live, to love, and then to die peacefully. I shouldn't have to be a battery for a war machine. I shouldn't have to try to figure things out um, outside of the realm of my real possibility. So for me, it's important for me to not only speak as a black person because I know I'm black and I have a responsibility as a black man to speak to say hey you're looking at unemployment as eight percent but excuse me mr president it's at 14 percent for me yeah you get what i'm saying i have that responsibility but bigger than that I have to to come to the same conclusion that Martin King came to after he earned civil rights on the behalf of melanated people. What he discovered was the same conditions that are creating the oppression that that, that suppress this this group of black people that are in America. They suppress white people in the Appalachians that Mm -hmm. are poor. They they oppress, you know, the Asian Asians that were used to to build the railroad systems. They oppress the Native Americans that are that whose land was stolen to put on reserves. And he started to understand that this really is a thing of poverty. It really is a thing of of a perpetual war machine. It really is the tyranny of government in a different way. And that's where his focus shifted. So for me to keep arguing just the black side doesn't take the fight where it really belongs. The fight really is a human fight against a system. Yeah, completely, completely. And it's fascinating because just touched on that, I find it interesting... over here i think that it might be a slightly different fight if for example the police were armed over here and things like that because i think over here the poverty line isn't as heavily weighted in race you know i I think they over here there's a lot of of white people who who would end up having the same things done to them the same stuff happen absolutely Um, absolutely and then i think yeah, I don't know. It, it wouldn't be as easy for the media to push it as just a race thing, as just this Absolutely. or just that. And Absolutely. Yeah. So it's important that I speak to both sides and all people. You know, I'm a human being, and I can empathize with the fact you're white, and we share some of the same experiences. So yeah. I have empathy, and I definitely have sympathy for people that suffer. And I think that, um, you know, there are a special set of BS things that black people in America go through. 
There's a whole yeah. other set of rules for us. And with that said, we have the responsibility to organize on our behalf, but to also be voices and advocate for people globally mm. that are treated like us. Because it's, you know, in, in some other countries where there's no black people, it's a whole other group of white people that for whatever reason get oppressed the same way. Yeah, yeah. You know, and we are to be the examples um, of what can potentially come good out of that. You know, how can you organize, plot, plan, strategize, organize, and mobilize your way out of it? So, you know, I'm down for advocates and allies no matter what race, creed, or color. Yeah. So so what do you feel, um, or I mean, it's a huge question here, but what do you feel the solution is or a path in that right direction? I found it really, I went to... um, a, a one of the rallies over here for Michael Brown. Yeah, um, thank you. And I mean, it, it, it was a strange experience for me because I felt I needed to be there to show my respects, but equally it kind of felt, what is this this d- d- doing? Um, and I, I argue with people a bit because it's it sounds like I'm saying the only solution is violence, but to me, standing there and protesting against protesting in the way that a system prefers you to protest when what you're protesting is that system yeah. seems somewhat well, redundant well, to me because it's, prote- not, it's not just the police that yeah. is the issue here it's the people that have cleared the police and, and everything absolutely. all absolutely. the way up so we've particularly in England where it's all cleared and sanctioned if we've had permission to come and protest at this point the people it's the system that you've got permission from is what you're protesting against so again I kind of I left feeling I'm glad I went but I also feel it needed more. It needed something well, else. Well, part of it is ceremony. Again, yeah, yeah. part of it you, you have you need the ceremony because people need people need to experience camaraderie. Yeah, yeah. you get what I'm saying. Yeah, like, yeah, completely. You have these beliefs. I have these beliefs. We live thousands of miles from one another. Yeah. But at protest and rally, you get to see the camaraderie. Yeah. You know, if I'm a black kid that's getting the shit kicked out of me by the cops three, four times a year, then I feel very lonely. I feel like, man, this shit is happening. Why is this fucking just happening to me? Yeah. But if I show up at a rally, a pro protest, sanction or not, and see people who look like you, I understand and have allies that yeah. look like the people I perceive as being my yeah, pre- yeah, pre- yeah, yeah. Um, um, oppressors. And I understand that from a human level, it doesn't allow that grain of hatred to grow past the system. Yeah. So what remains the hatred is the system and the upholders of the system. So you need the ceremony of protest, sanction yeah. and unsanctioned. You need these ceremonies because it allows people the opportunity to congregate. It allows people the opportunity to see. And it shows government and these institutions the number of sympathizers that come after that i think that's one of the things that's key i think the government and the system is showing that but also it equally shows with the protests in all the different states across america Absolutely. that it's not a ferguson problem, but then in england Absolutely. in, in europe that Absolutely. Is, again as you were saying that it's a human problem Absolutely. it's not people it's not an american problem Absolutely. it's not a ferguson problem Absolutely. so yeah i guess some of the most the touching end. things i've seen is you, you you see pictures from Palestinian children yeah. that say Black Lives Matter or yeah, we yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Syrian children. You know what I mean? You, you get to see um, you get to see t- children in, in parts of Africa. It it just matters because man, it sure doesn't feel as lonely. Mm, yeah. You know, it sure doesn't feel yeah. as lonely. And a lot of times that hopelessness is what will have a child strapping a bomb to their chest. Yeah. yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Completely. If, if you wipe out the ability to hope, anything is up for grabs. But if you leave the ability for people to see that there's people advocating for you, that even if you don't see them on a daily basis, there are people that care about your campaign, then you maintain hope so that you don't have to go to the extreme of violence. Now, the other thing is, and I'm in agreement with you, if the system does not change by the will of the people, then it is the responsibility of the people to attack and take down tyrants Mm -hmm. by whatever means necessary. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, I mean, I think the, the 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 Palestine thing is interesting as well of, of, of people showing support in all different areas of the world because I think it's easy as well for Americans who maybe aren't that move or you know acknowledge it's a problem but kind of think well still we're still living in America we're still yeah. living in a good there's good exactly. but it's great to see things like that that are saying like there's hot terrible shit going on in Palestine at the moment but that yeah. doesn't make what's going on in America any less important exactly. or, le- or more acceptable. It's like, exactly. yeah, there's some bad shit going on, but that doesn't may- mean that this is fine and this exactly. should be ignored exactly. and, and, and moved on from exactly, exactly. so easily. Um, so uh, I think another th- a, a, a term I think um, is getting misused or misinterpreted. Again, I'm kind of, I'm, I've been trying to stay quietly attentive to a lot of what 
both sides of the argument are saying. And I think something I've seen a lot of of, of white people um, getting confused about is the term a, a white privilege. So yeah. I'm seeing a lot of kind of people who are working class or work hard saying, I've not got a white privilege. I work, but I think it needs to be explained how much of a misconception of what a, yeah, white, white privilege, privilege is. It's mean. not, it's not about getting all the breaks or this no. It's a, it's the, you have uh, the benefit of doubt yeah, yeah, that, exactly. that isn't afforded to others. And it's not saying, Oh man, you're bad. You have white privileges. No, yeah. you have the benefit of doubt. There are certain questions like when a, when a white mother puts a coat on a child, it's, you know, go outside Come back in. And this is a cartoon I saw from like 20 years ago. Go outside, yeah. come back in, you know, don't talk to strangers, yeah. right? The stranger is the danger. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. When a black child goes outside 20 years ago in the day, go outside, do not get, talk to strangers, do not get in the way of policemen. Why, like it, it turns into a, a whole, whole list, yeah. a whole grocery list of things that no child should have to think about. Yeah. A child should only think about do I have on my coat, do I have my mittens at? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah that's, that's it. That's simple. Yeah. You know, that's ideally that's what every child, but man, black children don't 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 have that. You know, not in America. Like they, they, we have a grocery list, especially our boys, that our boys have to learn by the time they're 12 and 13. Because you just want them, you want, forget kidnappers and killers and gang members and all the other, all the other fear things that are thrown at you through television. You got to worry about the police, the police and the people your parents pay taxes to sanctioning your child's murder. Yeah. You know, yeah, and that's just a different set of worries. So, you know, white privilege isn't saying, "Oh, you got it better than me." We hate you. No, it's just saying, "Hey, you get a break," and because perception completely because of perception, and since you do, I need you for an ally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I need you for an ally, yeah. you know, because you understand what it means to work hard. You know, you're a tradesman. You get it, too. But I need you for an ally over here. Uh, the policeman, the police chief in Richmond, California, which is can be a very violent place, yeah. can be a very wild place for black and brown people in particular, stood up with a sign today or yesterday that said Black Lives Matter. You know, that's pretty that's, that's pretty weighty. Yeah. You know, that's pretty heavy because he is breaking ranks with policeman nationally. And he hasn't he hasn't cast the game police. He isn't saying I don't believe he isn't. But he's simply saying that the life of the people I police matter. Yeah. Like think about that. This is a policeman saying the life of the people I police matter. You know, and if more policemen had that attitude, you would see more cops thinking before a trigger is pulled. Yeah. You know, I think that the police need more. I think that it's, 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 it just blows my mind that that's a statement that needs to be made. You know, yeah. I mean, that is a hugely big deal. But when you actually strip it down and go, damn, that should be a given. That should that, that, that shouldn't have to be made. But yeah, at but this point, it, it does. You know, police don't get out of their cars anymore because they're only one. There should be two police in a car. Yeah. Police should be required to get out of their car for a number of hours and walk and meet people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in an ideal situation. Okay. Going, going back to community, as you were saying, absolutely. the police being, and again, it isn't the way in the UK anymore, but it used to be my gr- a granddad was a policeman and it's, you know, it, I'm, I'm proud of that exactly. because he was a good policeman. He was doing good shit. Exactly. He was he was a good he was one of the good guys. And exactly. I, you know, it's not to say that there aren't any of them anymore, but you don't get to see if they are or are not because they're behind a yeah. windscreen. And our police are becoming more like special forces. They're yeah. even arming them like special forces. Yeah. You know, when police, but they're not training them. I like special forces, and no. that's again a huge concern from this side of the pond. Seeing that we do have armed police over there, but they are trained to the to, to Yeah, they they know what they're doing. So, some defence of of some of the stuff that's been going on in America has been oh, that you know, s- s- someone has panicked in somewhere, something like that. It's like that's not defence. That shouldn't defense. that shouldn't be that's an option. Fear. And again, it's, it comes back to white privilege there of if the excuse is that someone panicked, they wouldn't have panicked in the same way if that was a white face Absolutely. that was, Absolutely. was there. There would have been more of a Absolutely. controlled Absolutely. Absolutely. approach, there, I guess. There was, there, was a, there was a white protester early on in Ferguson that said, at 18 years old, I shot a policeman with a BB gun. I'm still alive. Yeah. 
And think about the power yeah, of that statement, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, so, so this, I was reading a passage by Noam Chomsky today that just basically said Reagan was a vehement racist. And he used the, um, and this is Noam Chomsky. This isn't the black rapper saying this, yeah. who wrote Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> he said he was a vehement racist and he, and he used the war on drugs to, to criminalize um, just being a black man. And eventually that pours over into other ethnic groups. But, you know, that we have had a cold race war going on against black men in my country since they landed there. Yeah. You know, and we didn't come voluntarily. You know, someone came and got us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's been this fear, this paranoia, you know, since then. But if Nat Turner moments were going to happen, they would have happened again and again by now. Yeah. Black people are just trying to be normal, regular citizens, enjoy their life, live a good life and die happy. The same as everyone else. But it feels like we're being cast in a part of a play we didn't volunteer to be a part of. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be your goon. I don't want to be your I don't want to be the bad guy in your story. You know, tell your story. Go find your real bad guy. We just want to live and exist. Yeah. We have the same human conditions that everyone else has. When people say black on black crime, what do you mean black on black crime? Black on black crime happens because you have crime amongst the people who live near each other. Yeah. You know, if you live in an all-white community, burglaries aren't called bur- white on white crimes. They're just burglaries. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. you get burglaries, you get murder, you get that in any community. But for the state to use that as an excuse to sanction murder, nah, it's no that crazy. It's that, that, that crazy weird need to categorize only in certain situations. It's, it's something in hip hop that's always annoyed me with female rappers. Yeah, there's just some dope rappers out there, it, you know, rappers. but they will only be referred to as female rappers. Yeah. They won't be, you know, this and that. And it's, yeah. it's a similar thing, it, as you Absolutely. said, with black on black crime. There's, there's, other than that, there's just crime. Just crime. Exactly. You know, that's, exactly. That's just crime. It's kind of, um, but I mean, let's go back to kind of some uh, some solutions. And there was a song uh, three three years ago now, I think by. B. Dolan and Jaziri X um, called Film the Police and it felt like something that was it's, it's been painfully ir- irrelevant repeatedly over the years yeah. but something that I feel has been a backlash of that again in what I've been observing online is people saying how a film in the police clearly isn't isn't well, going to help because of the the clear video footage yeah. in, in, with Garner in, 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 in Garner case it's like the clear video and then been well this uh, is what's going to happen Either these cops are going to have start being held accountable and you're going to start seeing prosecutions happen and cops that are abusing power going to jail so that other cops will adjust their behavior. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to start seeing people attacking policemen in the street. Yeah. And it's no, it's, it, that's it. There's no way around it. Yeah, yeah, it's completely. That, 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 that is, those are the two alternatives. And if you don't believe me, they were just a black and a white cop were arresting the guy in Baltimore. They were, over, they were being a little too rough with the guy. A white guy walked up to the cop and snuffed him. You know what I mean? Tried to yeah. knock him out. Yeah. In New York, um, some of those sloppy Times Square cops were in the middle just looking crazy, trying to arrest someone. Someone threw a barrier at the cop and hit it. Yeah. Like, people are frustrated. And everybody has been lied on by, to, by a cop. Mm. Everybody's had a speeding ticket, lie, or your jaywalk. Everybody's in enough distrust, so they, you know, yeah. it's yeah. believable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and when yeah, yeah, yeah. and when a system becomes that, the proletariat is going to push back. Yeah. Repression breeds rebellion every day. If you know, if you didn't study civics or world history, you skipped over this little thing called the French Revolution. You know, if all if only one set of people seem to have it good, then the people on the bottom are eventually going to uprise. Yeah, you know. You see, it's an interesting thing because history, I think, plays a huge part in it, and it's always I've always found it, it fascinating in in the UK. I think with terrible uh, protesting and uh, 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 action in change whereas somewhere like france is amazing and i always remember a reading a while back when they tried to bring um a, a wheel clamps in in france a clamping cars if they're oh yeah, yeah yeah the french as one put glue in the clamps so they were broken so instantly they had to stop doing it because they, they kind of rose up but and the thing the more i thought about that was realizing that england our history is going out as one and conquering. Yeah. There's no great history of going against those. I mean, yeah, the empire has always taken empi- versus yeah, the we've versus, always been part of it. Whereas exactly. the French have got that more a civil revolution and, uh, yeah. you know, a, a element to it. So what do you think the kind of, the, the choices there in America is, is it in an, an inevitability or is things like, cause again, I think the, 
the dismissal of, 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 the, of the impact of filming the police, I think it's misplaced because I think the reason we're seeing everything now is because of people filming the police. Absolutely. There's not been a sudden... I mean, there may have been a slight increase, but there's not been a sudden crazy increase of police m- malpractice. Yeah. Um, it's just... It's being caught on camera now. Absolutely. And it's being brought into public eye and addressed. Therefore, as much as it's fucking horrific to see v- video evidence of someone being choked to death, ignored... Yeah. It's being seen and it's Absolutely. being addressed and causing Absolutely. the noise that's happening now. So I, I don't know. I feel it, it's wrongly dismissed in that way because the more it's no, in the public eye, even if it's even if the prosecution isn't there, it will end it up needs, sadly it, being the catalyst to, to, yeah. to, to another solution. Yeah, it needs to be filmed. It needs to be filmed because if you if you do have a burn, if you do get to the point where you're burning police stations down, yeah. you need to be able to pull up the YouTube and that's say, "Look at reasons these. for this." Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That this is the reason for this. I, th- I think. The other thing I've again I've kind of I've witnessed a lot of is the backlash from people defending the police, um, and it's something I've kind of argued with on, on online a lot. Again, I keep referencing Abi Dolan, but, but he's, he's speaking a lot a, a well about this online recently. And on one of his posts, he said, "If you're if you if you watch this video and your first reaction is to." defend the police then you're in the wrong place you're you know there's something wrong with your your yeah. mind and i get where people are coming from because again even again with the whole film the police thing i don't think all police are evil or bad but yeah. that's not the issue at the moment that's not what's being discussed what's being discussed is the ones that are the ones that are doing Absolutely. terrible shit and Absolutely. getting away with it so i don't know it, it it feels it needs to be clarified to them it's not saying Fuck the police as such. It's not saying that. It's saying fuck the the crooked police. Fuck, fuck any police yeah, the, who the, may not be crooked but are riding with and not taking action yeah. on crooked police. Or yeah, like common sense seems to be something that a lot of cops leave in their lockers. Yeah, I watched a a, um, a video once. There was a kid who was just walking by a protest. He didn't. He wasn't in the protest. Yeah, it might have been a protest for a Palestine or a Muslim community of some sort. But he he's just a black kid who was walking by. Security guards or police come up to him, grab him. He's like, "What? Are you, I don't even understand what's going on." They then mace him. He really doesn't. And, and all yeah. the time, people are walking with him and the cops, saying, "He is not the right guy. You are. He, they didn't do anything. Yeah. He didn't do anything." And the cop is just so dead set on being his instincts being right that it it it. Cause that kid to suffer. Um, if you look at Fergus, I mean, if you look at um, Eric Garner, at the time that they, the cops were trying to arrest him, people were telling them he didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. And at some point, if you're a beat cop, beat cops who used to walk the block would have had enough sense to say, hold on. Yeah. Let me figure out what's going on yeah. because it's stupid to arrest someone and say, let the courts figure it out when you're the first line of offense and defense and you could have solved that problem. There. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't have the common sense to solve that problem there, you don't have the common sense to be policing. Yeah. And if your if your answer to one hand is under control by three other cops, if your answer is to a man you already have in a prone position because he's on his side and his hand is out saying, I can't breathe, to keep an illegal chokehold on them, yeah. my gut instinct says, I wish somebody would have walked out of 38 and put a bullet in your head yeah. and kept walking. That's my that's my gut instinct. But going to my civil instincts, my civil instincts say you should not be a cop because your ego and your narcissistic instinct to say you didn't listen to what I told you overcame your ability to preserve human life and get to proper understanding, you know, And, and, and I'm like you. I pray that the protest and the civil way works because the alternative is really easy. Yeah. There are always more of you than there are cops. Yeah. Yeah. There are always more of you than there are government. The proletariat is always bigger than the rulers. And at any given time, those guillotines can swing the other way. Yeah. Your net can be loaded in it as easily as ours. Yeah. You know, and that's that's my that's my thing. Like so my thing is do it now and do it right while you can, because when people get fed up, they're going to burn everything to the ground. Yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's something you touched on there of not being f- f- fit to be a cop um, is incredibly valid. Because again, it feels like there was a time when the cops, the police, were the great and the good, 
There's people now I know who I used to work in a record store. There's people who applied for a job in the record store, didn't get a job, ended up joining the police force because they couldn't get a job in a record store. It's like that doesn't feel like the people that we should have as as, as running the streets there. So kind of is there an answer to that? Because, I mean, at the moment, obviously, the police, rightfully so, are being very vilified. So I can't see why anyone like yourself or any, you know, people with a, a straight head would want to become a police officer. I mean, and, we, that's, and that's a negative thing, right? Surely yeah. it'd be better if the police were full of people who were more reasoned and were more. But at the moment, fuck, I wouldn't go near that uniform. Yeah, you wouldn't of, want that uniform. Two of my cousins are currently police officers. And yeah. They're good cops, and I respect them. And it's a hard job. Um, a friend of mine, she's about to enter police academy right now. Mm. And she's going to make a great cop. She's fair. She's honest. She's stern. That, that is the solution. Yeah. Rather than, you know, again, that's a long-term thing, but surely one of the long-term solutions is to get good people, good people in. from all communities. Exactly, policing. policing. You know, you need people from from the community, even if you can't police in your direct neighborhood, because that's a conflict of interest. We need policemen that are from where the communities are from. Yeah, we need people that understand working class, understand poverty. We need people to understand race in a different way. We don't need someone who just got back from Iraq couldn't find a job and is now being told to police regular citizens the same way you policed in war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's not right. Yeah. You need Completely. to have people that understand the psychology of the neighborhoods they're policing. Yeah. That means as a cop, you should be seen at the PTA meeting, you should be seen at the corner store, and you should be seen in your patrol, on your patrol, not just on your patrol. Because yeah. when you're just riding through on your patrol, you're just like a you're just like a monster that comes through. Yeah. You're perceived as just somebody here to pick somebody up. You aren't seen as a savior. You aren't seen as an ally because you don't ever get out of the car. You're not a person. You're, you are just a cop. You exactly. are that, exactly that, exactly. which is the, the vilified thing right exactly. now. So, so with the new year um, approaching, what do you see as the key, the key progressions and changes at this point that we should be, that, that, that a regular individual should be trying to make? I well, mean, I'm, again, I'm, I'm, just I'm, hearing about all the different, the base level community stuff yeah. with your barbershops and things like that. Do you think just more things like that are, are, are something that the, the regular person can do Absolutely. and to take do, a yeah, responsibility I, I, for themselves exactly. and their own community? You have to do locally what you can do. Yeah. You got to vote locally. You got to think locally. You got to act locally. You got to buy locally. Because that's what, like, Ferguson is 70% black. Mm. Yeah. Think about that. Seventy yeah. percent. Like, like the mother of that child said, I lived here my whole life. Darren Wilson moved here. Yeah. She has more rights to be yeah, in that community yeah, and to crazy. determine what goes on. But if you're in the community, you have to be active. Yeah. Your police chief or sergeant should know you. You should have a community board and push for a community advisory board or a community liaison board on, uh, uh, for your police department. Well, Mike, how do that make that happen? You vote for an alderman. You vote for a councilman. Make them do it or vote their ass out. Yeah. You know, demand that your demand that your policeman you can call my wife. Tell me that you can call the police. You can have the police come to your child's school. That child, your child school, the PTA meeting, that, that the policeman who polices your community should have to introduce himself to the parents at the PTA meeting. Parents should take their ass to the PTA meeting, Parent Teacher Association. Yeah. You, the only way these problems are going to get solved is if they're solved at a local level and they grow nationally. Yeah. You know, our constitution and our republic is made in a way so that federal government can't just shoot mandates down to state and local laws because that disrupts the sovereignty of states. But it can go the other way. But it has to remain a grassroots movement and that on a local level, you have to become so active that you cannot be ignored. And that changes the fabric of the way things work in your community. Yeah, I truly believe that because I have a dual, you know, with me, it's going to be either or. We're going to work it in the way that the system allows us to because we're a free republic that's based on voting, that's based on, you know, it's a democratic republic, or we're going to do what our forefathers did and burn it to the ground and start over. Yeah. You know, it's dealt, those are the only two ways. There is no other way. Either you get it right within the way the system has allowed for us to do it right, and that means the system and allies within the system have to comply, or we burn it to the ground. And, and that's start why, over. I mean, that's why the crazy, the, the, the bloody mindedness of the system is 
it's got a bend and it's, it's got a break, surely, because the the best solution for everyone is the first solution, absolutely, there, rather than it having to be a public uprising. Absolutely. Which, again, it feels more and more on a on a global scale. It feels more and more likely and closer and closer to that. Absolutely, absolutely, because people are tired. Yeah, people are tired. People are tired of fighting wars and they don't know why. Yeah, people. I mean, people don't even know why they hate each other anymore. Yeah. You know, I don't even know why the police hate black men anymore. It ain't like we out there shooting at the police, yeah. which we could be. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. You could you could sit there at the store, man, and someone could lay on the top of a roof, take an AR-15 and put a bullet through your head. Hmm. It ain't hard. But yeah. the fact that that's not happening in the community shows you this community ain't no hyper-violent community. It's a community without jobs. And you as a policeman should be advocating to bring jobs back to your community because that makes your that makes your job easier because then you're just patrolling the TV factory, making sure no one's stealing the TV. Yeah, yeah. You aren't worrying about 30 kids standing out on the block trying to find excitement. Yeah. You know? Yeah, completely. Well, I mean, are we getting up to the hour mark? So I think. As you said, people are tired, so I'm going to start to, to wrap things up and let you get some rest. I've but, thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, but let's end on on, on, on what a next year holds for, for Killer Mike and for Run the Jewels. Is it is it well, a focus straight on for more yeah, Run, the, run jewels? the Jewels? man. You know, it's Run the Jewels. I mean, Killer Mike's, Killer Mike's need to rap, want to rap, need to perform, want to perform, need to have my ego stroke is all supplied through Run the Jewels. Yeah, and, um, You know... Don't fuck up something that's working because yeah. of your ego or your narcissism, you know. Yeah, yeah. I love being on stage with my partner. I love selling out shows and kids enjoying it. A, a they, big sh- a, sh- a shout out to LP as well because I've only LP. got a one mic set up otherwise I would have been uh, yeah. pushing to speak to both of you boys, but next we'll be time back you're in over, June, we got to so get we'll do it together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But um Run the jewels, run the jewels, run the jewels. Uh, so that's it. You're back in the UK in June, or you're back in in Europe. You're touring everywhere again. Well, I, in June, I know we're right? coming back here because we got because we sold this show out and we got a bigger show to do. Yeah, yeah. But, so um, you're going to be at the at the forum, I believe. Yeah. In, in June, you just smashed it at Coco. And um, uh, where can people keep up to date and know run, what's going down? At Run Jewels on Twitter, at the real LP is for LP at Killer Mike GTO, like the car GTO at Killer Mike GTO on all social media for me. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, man. It's been great talking, and thank you for having me. um, As a car guy, let me tell you too, man. You got a badass Jag. Folks know I'm not usually a Jag guy, but when when you're in London, man, you got to roll like the Londoners. And I'm telling you, the Jag you are is a hell of a car. I'm doing my best. Well, thank you very much, love, love, love. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was the first one. As said, at midday, we're going to have um, the revisit the Akala episode as well. And we, like, we're not getting rid of the, the drunk cast. It's a really good chat, and we discuss all these things that are going on. But we can do it later in the week, and it will still be relevant. This isn't going away anywhere. It just felt that these conversations were a little bit more important. So, yeah. Okay, hope you enjoyed that, and I'll see you. I hope everyone's safe and of uh, of as sound mind as can be expected. See you in a bit.